Welcome back to the Tune Lighting Podcast. It's the podcast where we're attempting to write and record an entire musical album in just one year. I'm Rob Ragglesworth, uh, and I'm joined, as always, by co-hosting bandmate Jack Edwards. Hey, Jack. Hi. How are you? I'm all right. Not too bad. A little... Uh, we were... To anyone out there who doesn't know, I'm sure you do, it was meant to be Glastonbury Festival this weekend where we're recording this uh so yeah it's a bittersweet because you know looking glass half full there's uh it's given me a, another weekend to work on this album um but yeah it's uh it's, uh, it's sad really that uh, that couldn't go ahead and all that inspiration that might have come from uh from being a a live music festival because i i do always feel that it's watching live music that often spurs me into action more than um or gives me inspiration almost more than listening to music on record um a few times i've you know i've been to be to a, go to a gig and then the day afterwards i'm raring to to start writing again because there's just something about hearing a song in its live form that adds a little bit of extra inspiration seeing people connect with it as well i think when you get a song that goes goes down with the crowd really well then you kind of remember what music can do. And uh, yeah, that's that's always inspiring to try and create something that has the same emotional appeal to people. Mm. And I think more than anything, I think it's a topic that we'll, we might get onto uh, further down the line as we, as we start to get towards the end of the creation of the album, or maybe in season two after the album's finished. But um it's really made, it makes me start to think about how uh, how I would actually play a lot of the songs that I write live, especially when I get carried away and start adding hundreds of parts to them. So uh, yeah, I've, I've, although we were, haven't been able to go to Glastonbury this weekend, uh, I've been watching back some clips of past Glastonburys and uh, and stuff on the TV and trying to use that as uh, inspiration, which has been inspiring in a lot of ways. But it has, yeah, I think I, I mentioned this to you, Jack, that there's a I've watched a couple of bands and uh, where they're just a three piece or maybe even less in some cases. Uh, and it, it's, it kind of makes me realize that maybe I've been getting a little bit carried away recently with, <laughs> with some of the tracks that I've been trying to, to write and maybe adding a few too many parts. Cause if we ever do try and play them live, which is something we haven't thought too much about, but if, uh, if we ever want to play them live, it could be a, could be a tricky one. <laughs> yeah. It's almost uh, a, pod episode in itself i think um, it will i think it will be when we uh, when we actually have some songs <laughs> finished <laughs> but yeah there's basically a couple of different schools of thought you get bands who will put everything into a record and think about playing it live afterwards because their goal is to get it to sounding sounding exactly how they want it on record and then you know live is a whole different thing and there's other bands who will specifically limit themselves to what is possible to play live while they're writing and recording the songs. I think we're probably going to be the first one yeah. at the moment. Uh, we'll figure it out later yeah. how we're going to play it live. So, yeah, in this episode, we've decided that we are now pretty much, well, pretty much exactly three months into the 12 months of the project. So we thought it's about time that we Sat down and uh, 
and just assessed where we're at, how progress has been so far, and st start to plan ahead slightly for the remainder because that this is a quarter of the quarter of the way through now. So uh, some good progress has been made. But yeah, how are you feeling, uh, Jack, about progress you've made, and where's your head at in terms of the project as a whole? Um pretty ambivalent about it all <laughs> if that's the word i want um yeah i'm still i've definitely made progress i've um i've got some some songs in the bag which might end up getting used and i've um more importantly got some songs out of my system we were talking uh, the other day you were you mentioned a Guy Garvey uh, quote to me, Guy Garvey from Elbow, who basically said that even sitting down to write on a bad day is worthwhile because it's like plumbing. You're getting the the bad writing out of your system that would still be there next time if you didn't get it out today. So I feel like there's a lot of... Um, a lot of plumbing has been done. A lot of plumbing's been done. Yeah, not it's not all it's not all been bad stuff, but it has been stuff that I've maybe old songs or old half finished ideas that I've had around for a while, but I've felt like I can't really move on. Well, that's yeah, uh, yeah that's it. still lying around. So, I mean, I've got plenty more old old scraps lying around which I might dig back into, but I feel like that itch has been scratched a little bit now. So, I'm kind of waded through that that plumbing. That admin <laughs> and I'm kind of getting to more kind of wide open spaces um feel freer to explore so I'm kind of none the wiser I mean I've learned some some new techniques which both kind of writing and recording producing which I think will be useful um but I'm still none the wiser really of what the actual finished product's going to sound like where, where I'm at at the moment three months in um it's sort of, you know, the, uh, is it called like the Dunning-Kruger effect where you, where, I have no idea, <laughs> you know, it's, I don't know what's going to come okay, next. Right, well, it's, it's a, it's a phenomenon in, uh, in human behavior when you're learning a new skill or doing an act, a task. And basically you start off like you, you know, you don't know anything and you're, um, you're at the, the bottom of the graph. If you imagine a chart, you're at the bottom of the uh, the y-axis. But you very quickly t take a sharp turn as you start progressing and you and you go up very quickly to this sort of fake peak where you're like, oh, wow, this is this is easy. Like this is, I, I, I'm nailing this. I'm like, so this is how I felt after, you know, to, straight at the start, I don't know where to start as we did explained in episode one, where, where do we start? So I was very much at the bottom of the uh, of the curve, but then very quickly after I, I finished a couple of songs, I was like, "Ah, oh, here we go!" Like after one month, I thought we're going to finish this album in three months, uh, and I was at that peak, that false peak um, in this Dunning Kruger effect uh, I'm bringing out. Uh, and then, but then, what happens in pretty much all cases is that uh, you you then fall off the peak and uh, into what is known as the pit of despair. <laughs> 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 it sounds familiar. <laughs> and uh, the pit of despair, uh, this dip in the graph where the dwarfs goes back down, is when you suddenly feel like you don't know anything and you, you, you're in this 
lost space of like everything you kind of lose a little bit of hope because you you felt so great for a bit because everything was going well at the start and that initial excitement and then yeah you're down in the, the pit of despair as you realize that you you've actually not really finished anything and it's, it happens quite a lot i think the one that people use quite a lot is uh, when learning a language or something you know you learn the very basics that can get you by on a holiday or something straight away and then as soon as you try and have an actual conversation with someone from a different country, you're down in a pit of despair for a long time. And then you start learning how much you don't know, basically. Yeah, exactly. And then eventually you climb out of the pit of despair very slowly uh, to when you become an expert in something. So that's the Dunning-Kruger effect. Yeah, I like, I like this uh, a lot, actually. I've just Googled it. I've got a little graph here. And for one, I'm looking at um, the peak but you get early on is called the peak of Mount Stupid <laughs> image, and then but the uh, the more gradual upslope, which comes comes after a pit of despair, is called the slope of enlightenment. So that's something to look forward to if we get there. I think I think the patient listeners, if anyone's stuck with us this far, deserve to hear a few uh, a few more snippets of what we've been up to. Yeah, agreed. So yeah, let's we'll take this time to play a few little clips of where we're at. And as you say, we can caveat this with these none of these may make it on the album. Um please do let us know if there's any particular bits that you like, because maybe that'll help us tailor what will be on the album. Uh but yeah, still nothing's been mixed really. Uh very rough. I guess you'd call them demo recordings, really. We're still at the demo recording stage. Um Definitely. so yeah, here's a few clips.
although we've been in lockdown, uh, I feel like there's been pros and cons. Definitely days where I felt less inspired and haven't really had the energy. It's just every, because there's not the changes in, in scenery as much and not doing as many things, everything's kind of at that same level of excitement all the time. It, it can be sometimes ha- actually harder to sit down and and do the work than if you've uh, you you have to capture those smaller bits of time. So I've still been fairly busy with my job and with other things that I've got going on. So it's not like I've been uh, having loads of time every day to to write still, but I have had slightly more time. But it's not to say for me, I don't feel like that time has necessarily been quite the same as it would have been if I was doing doing other things because yeah it just, just doesn't quite feel quite the same so yeah how how have you felt around that Jack having a bit more time maybe has it and you know doing less stuff and having less distractions physical distractions out there still obviously all the distractions that come with tv and the internet and things like that but yeah have you found that doing less stuff uh, has meant that you've um you know, had less inspiration from from life and less peaks in in energy to inspire you to write or do you think that actually you know if you've had more time to reflect and uh, and more time to write it's it's actually been been a help help or hindrance uh, good question i mean inevitably my answer is going to be it's a bit of both um have i've had more time which has resulted in more writing definitely but it doesn't mean that all my extra time has gone into writing um it, i think it just doesn't work that way maybe if it was kind of my full-time job and then i would devise a system whereby i would make sure all the time went into writing but i think the way the way i'm wired the way people are wired is not to not to be able to use every bit of spare time on one thing and you don't want to t- when it's a creative project that it's meant to be fun you don't want to again you don't want to make it into too much of a chore because <laughs> then you lose all the energy and enthusiasm so yeah tricky yeah and i think lockdown's hard because there's quite a lot of variables changing so you don't really know i think a lot of people have had peaks and troughs in their kind of mindset um and it's hard to know what exactly has caused that me personally i'm in a fairly small flat although i can go outside as much as i want but for the most part i'm living in just a couple of rooms and i think probably being in that kind of confined space isn't great for inspiration um when you just kind of this is why you need to get drunk <laughs> in the same physical space. Well, that's it, isn't it? That's what it comes down to. I mean, the downside to that is that it will probably um, completely wipe out the next day. That's Therefore, true. That's very cutting. true. It's definitely not a time I've felt continuously inspired, put it that way. But um, that's not to say that during lockdown there haven't been moments, hours, days where it has felt good to be writing and I've got, you know, made good progress on things. Yeah. It's, it's like with anything in life, you know, you never know what the other 
of what would have happened if if the if the things had been different. You, you don't know if if, we're, if life had been normal and coronavirus had never happened. Maybe we would have not even started anything yet, or maybe we'd have been really inspired and we'd we'd done loads. We'd like we'd written some amazing songs inspired by all our journeys and adventures that we'd had. <laughs> <laughs> I can almost guarantee that if the pandemic hadn't happened and someone had suggested there was an alternate world where I had, you know, all this time sat at home to write and record, I would have kind of bitten your hand off and said, amazing, I would, you know, I'd get so much done in most, yeah, in most circumstances. But I've, as we, as we all know, it doesn't quite work out like that. Before we go, just to reminisce a bit, because me and Jack have been to Glastonbury four times now. Is that right? I think we've four times. Four times, yeah. Since so twenty since twenty thirteen, been four times, um, and yeah, lots of inspiration, obviously, for writing our own music. But uh, we'll use this time to the end of the podcast to re- yeah to reminisce a little bit and uh, kind of <laughs> not 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 get too down, but make us remember the good times at, at the uh, biggest festival in the world. Um, so yeah, Jack, can are there any bands that from Glastonbury performances that you've, you've been to over those four years that particularly stand out in your memory any and any surprises any any bands that you saw maybe by accident or or um you know just stumbled upon who you someone told you to go and see or something uh, and you were you were pleasantly surprised any any memories in particular I've got loads of memories um and especially at festivals a lot you know it's a um it's a perfect storm of circumstances that lead to a really great gig a lot of it's just being with your mates maybe there's a the weather's good there's a beautiful sunset or something um so i've seen i've seen some great headliners um last last time out last time i was there 2017 Saw the Foo Fighters going for ages. That was great. Saw a Radiohead on the Pyramid, which was you know, something I've always wanted to do. Um, first year we went, we we saw Foles on the, uh, I think on the other stage, on the Friday night, and that was kind of our first first evening at the festival ever. So that was really exciting. Um, I suppose. In terms of inspiration, maybe seeing slightly smaller bands um, can really inspire you. I've, I've seen Drenge at the festival a couple of times, sort of going up through the stages. Royal Blood, actually, is another similar one, another two-piece who we saw, oh, I think, before, stage, yeah. before the release of the first album. But even then, word was getting around, the tent was packed out. And a few years later, they were back playing the pyramid stage. And I think getting seeing someone at that moment where the buzz is just accumulating and we're kind of outgrowing their their status on the bill by the day is is one of the most exciting things. The Foles set that you mentioned there, which was them on the other stage, was it? They, they weren't headlining. Yeah, uh, yeah we're second but, down. But that really stood out for me. Uh, as a as a memorable 
gig full stop uh, Glastonbury aside just one of my most memorable sets I've ever seen I think the thing about it was that I remember saying afterwards is the way that they took songs from all their because all their different albums sound quite different um really I mean there is some cohesion but the earlier stuff was quite poppy and quite and then it got a bit more gritty and distorted as the albums went on there's definitely a difference in sound but they I've never really seen a band do this before but they updated the old songs to fit the sound of the newer albums. So I think they were on the tour of uh, what's what's the album called? <laughs> they, they were on they were kind of on uh, the tour of that. Holy Fire, I think it was. was the third it? one. Yeah. Um and yeah they they kind of made everything a bit more rocky to kind of bring it up to date with their current sound. Um so some of the older, more poppy songs they really added a bit more distortion and stuff too. And that just made the whole set have a bit more cohesion and just be really cool. So that's something kind of interesting to to take from how, how you can make an album translate to to live, even if it doesn't, you know, if you, if you change your sound over time. Well, that's a good point. I guess there's, there's plenty of bands who do that. They'll have um, older material that sounds vastly different to a new material. And there's kind of three ways to approach it playing live. Either, either you leave it out, you think, well, I prefer my new stuff. It just, the old stuff, the old stuff doesn't fit, even though, you know, you might have had some big hits that people want to hear on it. Uh, you play it as was, which, um, kind of gives a more varied kind of roller coaster of a set where you're sort of changing between instruments and sounds quite dramatically. Or a third option, like you were just saying, you, you adapt the old songs. Maybe a new songs too, but you adapt the old songs in particular to uh, to fit the sound a bit more. I mean, it could be for practical reasons. Maybe you've the effects pedals you're using, um, rather than changing them around every every song, you uh, you keep them uh, keep them loaded up for the old songs, and that can. Uh, can bring them together. Yeah, maybe I was being a bit too generous. Maybe it's more um, <laughs> for, for requirements' sake and ease. I think uh, thought goes thought goes into putting set lists together and keeping the songs that will fit, especially in certain bands. I think a, a band like Falls definitely do that. They'll they'll plan the set list um, to flow in a certain way, and that includes uh, making the song sound cohesive. Yeah, it's like two distinct kind of different skill sets, isn't it? Making an album flow and the kind of peaks and troughs that come with that and then making a, a gig flow. It's similar in a way. Yeah, I think it's it's a similar skill, but you used slightly differently because the um, cause you're dealing with real real in-the-moment people who mm. who are standing up and listening to it <laughs> all, all at once, um, not through headphones. Um, yeah. And you know, you usually want to get some some participation, some interaction with them. So you will uh, you'll plan it accordingly. There are some albums that will probably work as a perfect live set, back to like front to back. Yeah, but yeah. Usually, you'd want to change things around a bit. So yeah, that's a little bit of Glastonbury reminiscing. Uh, another um, probably favorite of mine uh, that we stumbled across was um, Henry the Groover. <laughs> um, he was uh, Henry the Hoover that had been hooked up to uh, saxophone and uh, played some little songs on a small stage. So, yeah, play, although there's lots of bands you will have heard of at Glastonbury, sometimes inspiration can be found in the uh, 
strangest of places. So as we, as you may know, if you've been following us on Instagram, uh, Jack has actually managed to incorporate the sound of a vacuum cleaner onto yeah. uh, onto a track already. So you didn't Henry you the Groove is influence. Jack, but yeah. it's, it's seeped the influence seeped into your subconscious. Uh, In, inevitably, <laughs> I think I think we both knew from that moment, twenty thirteen. <laughs> that this was going to have a big impact on our lives when we saw that little Hoover jamming away. Yeah. So we'll have to get him on the podcast for, uh, for an interview at some point. <laughs> <laughs> so thanks again for joining us for this episode of the Tune Lighting Podcast. Three months in, a quarter of the way to that year target finish line we've got to finish this album. I'm feeling quietly optimistic, but we will see as the, uh, as the weeks go on. If you haven't already, please do give the podcast a subscribe so you get every episode downloaded every week ready in your podcast app for you to listen to. Uh, Maybe you're commuting back to work again now after being stuck at home and what a great opportunity that will be to listen to the podcast every week. And uh, if you know someone else that might have started their commute again and is uh, bored of sitting in the car or on the tube in complete silence, then something that you could recommend them that is slightly better than sitting in silence perhaps is this podcast. So yeah, if everyone out there could recommend the podcast to just one other person, that'd be fantastic. And if you haven't already, please do give us a rating on iTunes. Uh, That would really help boost us up the charts. 